Hi everyone, welcome to another episode of Get Into It with Gila. I'm Gila Glassberg, registered dietitian and certified intuitive eating counselor and the host of this podcast, Get Into It with Gila. Right now my friend Danielle Zarnes is doing an amazing job co-hosting, guest hosting the podcast while I'm on maternity leave. My baby is now seven weeks, Bar Hashem Hara. So I am getting back into some of the swing of things. I am on some of these podcasts. It's easier for me to do the mini-sodes, the solo episodes by myself because I don't have to coordinate the guests and the timing and stuff like that. But um, for now, Danielle is still doing the podcast and she's doing an amazing job and she has a lot of really great guests lined up. I also have some really cool guests lined up, so stay tuned for that. Um, I am taking on clients now. Uh, As I said before, I have some limited hours, but I am opening up daytime sessions on Sunday and Fridays, and now Tuesdays and Thursdays when my babysitter is here. So if you are looking to make peace with food, learn the principles of intuitive eating, use the principles of intuitive eating in all areas of your life, and really transform your life, please reach out. You could email me at gilaglassberg18 at gmail.com or on Instagram at gila.glassberg.intuitiverd. Check out my website, gilaglassberg.com, if you want to learn more about what I do. And please don't forget to rate and review this podcast. I know it's really annoying when podcasters like say that over and over again, but it really does help us move up in the rankings and disseminate this really important information about intuitive eating and health at every size. And I really do think that um, the world at large is getting better about this, but we really need more voices. So if you enjoyed this podcast and you've gained it all from this podcast, please leave a rating and a review and it would mean so, so much to me. Okay, so for today's guest is Tanya Friedlander. Really, really interesting. Tanya is an attorney by training and a former champion athlete. She's trained at the world leading coaching institution. So she she is an attorney turned uh, certified coach. So I'm not going to give away any more of the details. So without further ado, here's the episode. Hi everyone and welcome to my podcast, Get Into It with Gila. I know you're going to love the content here because you will gain inspiration, powerful tools and insights, and valuable knowledge. If you want more of this, please visit my website at www.gilaglassberg.com or visit me on Instagram at gilaglassberg. I'm Gila Glassberg, a registered dietitian and intuitive eating counselor. I've come to realize by counseling many, many women that this work is much deeper and greater than food and body image. It's the bigger picture challenges we face of love, belonging, acceptance, what our true values and goals are, noticing them, addressing them, and gaining skills to move forward. If you have been struggling with what your life's purpose is, or you just feel stuck in general and don't know what's holding you back, this podcast will enlighten and inspire you to take action and move forward. This podcast is about other women in the 21st century who feel that losing weight will fix all their problems or somehow meet their unmet needs. Hi, everyone. Welcome to another episode of Get Into with Gila. I'm Danielle Zarnas, and I'm your guest host. Today, I have my good friend, Tanya Freelander. Hi, Tanya. Hi, it's so good to be here. It's so great to see you and be with you. Tanya and I were just schmoozing a little bit before I started this recording. And Tanya is somebody that used to live in Woodmere. We were friends in the neighborhood. And I actually saw her professionally as a life coach. And working with her was awesome. I learned so much. And talking with her right now is like making me very nostalgic about going back to the to our sessions. We used to sit in her basement, have a cup of tea. It was awesome. Huh? Oh, yeah. It was really good. I remember those days. You do? <laughs> like so long ago. <laughs> Was that? I think that was when you were starting as a life coach. It was, yeah, it was like four, probably five years ago, yeah. I think, I'll tell you, it was like, in, I think it was like we met each other at the beginning of 2018 because 
through our life coach, like one of our sessions, one of the big discoveries I had was that my current job wasn't serving me and that I needed to try a new route. And I actually, that June, I think it was, I started my new job. So I know that it was around 2018. Yes, yes. Amazing. Wow. And I've been there, been there ever since. Amazing, amazing. I remember that transition. Yeah. Ah, oh, it's great. Okay, so let's start. Just tell the listeners a little bit about yourself, who you are, what you do. Sure. Um, so I was born in Israel. I grew up in Austria, lived in England for a big part of my life, and now live in the States for the past almost eight years. Yeah. Um, so I, as a baby, we moved from Israel to Austria. I grew up in Vienna. And uh, yeah, I, I, at that point in my life, I was a professional athlete. I was a, you know, in table tennis champion, Vienna champion, and one of the top Austrian players. So that was a big part of my life. That is so cool. <laughs> and I just have to tell you, I told this to my husband, Moshe, and he is actually very good at, he calls it ping pong, not table tennis. I know. <laughs> but he is very good at it. And you guys should have a match one day. I bet you'll probably be him, but he is actually very good at it. I'm sure he is. I'm so, so so surprised that he didn't know that and that you didn't know that. <laughs> I didn't know that. When I basically, just to tell the listeners, when I reached out to Tanya to interview her, you know, I said, oh, I want to talk about what you do as a career coach, executive coach, maybe how you were a lawyer, also maybe a little bit about Austria because that's very unique. And then you put, you just like chimed in. I was also a professional athlete. <laughs> and I was like, what? I had no idea. All these years we've had meals together for Shabbos and I just didn't know you were an athlete. Just didn't come up, I guess. <laughs> but many people know. I mean, a lot of kids like to play with me when I come for Shabbos somewhere. They're like, everybody's getting ready. Tanya's coming. <laughs> you know? Okay, next time. If you ever come to my house for a weekend, I'm going to have to get like a ping pong table to be all prepared. Oh, yeah, we, we have one. So if you ever come our way. Oh, okay. I'll come to see you. I love it. Perfect. <laughs> Yeah, and and so when I moved to England, that's when I went into. That's when I started, um, started uh, studying law. Yeah, I went into law. So um, how how old were you then? Just to get an idea, like were you after college? No, I when I moved to England, I did so many. I mean, I did first an international study program. I had to polish my English. You know, German is my native language. So, I, I did not know that you speak English. I feel like better than me. You use bigger <laughs> words than I use. I'm shocked that it's not even your first language. No, no, it's not. Um, and I and so I had to brush up on my. It had to be at a certain level in order to you know study in England. And so I finished high school in England I did beforehand before that I did an international study program and uh, then once I finished high school I went to study law oh after high school yes because in England it's in Europe it's very different you don't those you don't do those general studies you go right into studying what what you want to study so people go from high school to medicine or law or you know whatever it is that they want to study they you skip the whole general studies it's great yeah, you Israel's like that too, I think, right? Yes. Israel, similar. Yes. yes yeah, okay, so, so, you, so you grew up, you were born in Israel. How old were you when you went to Austria? Oh, I was a, I was a, I was six months. Six months, okay. And then you were, did you move to London when you were in high school time, like a teenager, you would say? So I moved um, from, when I was 16, I moved to, to England. So I lived in many different places. I lived in Oxford, in Liverpool, in Birmingham, in London, in Newcastle. Yeah. I think we're going to have to have you on for another episode just to talk about your travel experiences <laughs> and how you rate everything up. 
<laughs> you know, most people in, who live in London haven't been to so many places. I'm like, I, I love England, so I've been to many, many places. So cool. Okay, yeah. so, you, so your childhood was really in Austria. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So that's well, where I had my childhood. So, so what's it like there? I only know New York, so I want to hear a little bit about it. So. Vienna is really the the city of classical music you know I grew up with a lot of cultural you know like the culture there's so rich you have like music and art and you know it's it's everywhere you go you see Mozart and Beethoven and concerts and you know that's such a big part of of the culture you know are you are you musically inclined like do you play any instruments yeah, we all played piano and 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 my brother played the violin and I did ballet and you know all of those things oh, oh. um you know, yeah. my, my husband Moshe, like he would fit right in there because he actually went to Rutgers University to become for music. He was, uh, he would travel, he played, I, I, I get it mixed up, it was Carnegie Hall or Lincoln Center, but yeah, he wow. played, he traveled, he went to Germany, he went all over the world playing music and he proposed to me by singing me a song, by writing it for me. Wow. And he played, um, he plays the clarinet, clarinet is his main, he plays saxophone. He plays piano and guitar. And I have to tell you, me, I don't have an appreciation for this. I, I do like music. I like songs. But when it comes to classical music, Moshe took me one time to a jazz club. And I was like, I want to go out of here. And then, <laughs> and then we went to like this. He was so excited. He got these tickets to the Chinese orchestra and Lincoln Center. And I fell asleep. <laughs> oh, my gosh. And he's like, what's going on? <laughs> But he, I should tell him to go on vacation to Austria, although maybe when he did his travel, like I know he spent time in Germany and Amsterdam, he might have been to Vienna, who knows? Yes, I mean, if you appreciate music, especially classical music, Vienna is the place to be. We actually moved from Israel to Austria because my mom was an opera singer. Yeah. No way. Yeah, so my, my mom's dream was to live in Austria. So my, my mother was uh, performing at, at the National Opera of Tel Aviv. And uh, we we moved to Austria because that was her dream because that's the the place the city of classical music and um, yeah and uh, that, so that was very yeah up until today she still goes to the opera so we grew up with musicals and opera and you know that was such a big part of our life so the culture there is just so rich with poetry and you know they say Paris is the city of love like Vienna is the city of romance oh <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. and uh it's it's such a beautiful place so you know it's um so that part is very very special now being jewish there was a whole different story for me so you know anti-semitism is still very much you know there um and uh i i went to public school so i i were you orthodox? you were an orthodox right you're about shuba yeah i have to tell you it's so funny you're the third person i'm interviewing Everybody I'm interviewing has become like, uh, you know, have, I guess everybody's growing, but like Ashley was about Shuva, Shandy grew up a little bit more modern. It's, I think I tend, I gravitate to people that are, I don't know. It's interesting. It's just interesting to me <laughs> that so far everybody I'm interviewing, they're, they have a spiritual journey. Yes. Yes. I mean, I guess it, I'm a spiritual person. Probably I connect to spiritual people. Right, right. And uh, I mean, everybody's on their path, right? And uh, for, for Balchuvas, it's like a whole, like, I don't know, for, for me, it was very, very, um, it was quite a journey. I mean, I grew up with a lot of, uh, you know, my parents were very connected 
always connected to Hashem and Hashem was a big part of our life, just not in a halachic, <laughs> you know, way, right. just very traditional, like, you know, the emphasis of marrying Jewish and like very, I don't know, here they call it cultural Jewish, I think. Yeah, traditional maybe? Yeah, I mean, in Europe, they call it traditional, but when you do something, you do it the orthodox way, you know? So like, even when you are like reform and conservative is almost non-existent in Europe. Oh, okay, interesting. Yeah, so if you do something, then it has to be the orthodox way. That's how traditional people do things in Europe most of the time. Oh. Yeah, okay, yeah. Cool. So I, I grew up with a lot of like love for Hashem and, you know, a lot instilled, yeah, a lot of, you know, God fearing and, 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 and so that has been very, you know, a big part of my life just not having God in my life but I but but anti-semitism it was hard in school because I was uh, you know bullied and and uh, spoken to in a certain way and I had a very photographic memory that's why I was good in law as well I, I used to learn things you know very very thoroughly um, and you know, teachers accused me of cheating and you know because they were just like it's impossible that you were able to write this, you know, and, uh, and they used to just, you know, you know, you would hear words or like comments and it was I just, very, very I want to interrupt you. It's a little bit of a tangent, but I just think it's a funny story to tell you because you said teachers would accuse you of cheating because you had a photographic memory a little bit. And they were like, they were kind of, they were, un they, they underestimated you. They said, how could you know this? Yeah. Is that what you said? So I, I also, by the way, I think I have a good memory as well. And I have a very good friend, Jamie, that I grew up with and has a great memory, even better than me. She knows everybody's birthday, everything. She, we had a social, like a social studies, uh, you know, a history test in middle school. And the teacher in advance, they gave us, she gave us the topic that the essay would be on. So Jamie, you know, she came to class, she took her test. And the day after the test was graded, the teacher called her into her office and said, you know, Jamie, you're failing this because you cheated. And Jamie's like, what do you mean I cheated? It goes, you, you, when, you, when you took this test, you had the textbook under your paper because you literally wrote word, from word, word for word of what the textbook says. And mm -hmm. Jamie said, I didn't cheat. You, you told me what the essay question was going to be. So I just memorized the textbook page. And she literally memorized the textbook and wrote it word for word. And then she said it back to the teacher. And the teacher said, oh, I'm sorry. Okay, you didn't cheat. Yeah, yeah, no, but yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's, it's, that's, that's very, you know, like being accused of that, but you know, they also connected it to like, you know, cheating Jew and things like that. So, you know, it's very, that has been yeah. very, very um, challenging. Um, so yeah, that, that was, that, that was the hard part. That's being like, you know, a Jew in Vienna. There is a two different, I appreciate the cultural and the way I grew up there and what, Austria has to offer, but being a Jew that was was challenging. And did you like in your class have friends that were Jewish or are you friends of non-Jews? I was the only Jew in my school. You're the only Jew in your school. Yeah. So did you have any friends? Or yeah, yeah, okay. I did. I did. Also like kind of like a, a bit of like, you know, outsiders and 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 then people that didn't completely like fit in. So we were like a great group. <laughs> oh my God. Yeah. You, like a lot of these nationalities we got together. Right, right. <laughs> So it sounds like you had a really nice childhood. Yes, yes. No, it was, a, it was a, in, in, in certain aspects, it was magical because of the, the beauty of Vienna. Um, on the other hand, it was very challenging because of, you know, certain things I had to experience as a child. 
I'm sure. And I'm sure like you wouldn't want, you rather, you wouldn't want to have experienced that, but probably having that anti-Semitism in your life as, as at a young age, probably you have a whole fresh appreciation for the way things are here. Oh yeah, absolutely. And I feel like also, you know, my, my father was a Holocaust survivor. So oh. yeah. And, and so for me, the, the, you know, anti-Semitism and, and the Holocaust is a big, it's not just like in the history book, it's, it's something I lived with, you know. I heard his stories when I was at age of seven, eight years old, you know. So I, I grew up very, very fast. Hearing such things, you become very quickly, very mature. So yeah. it's, I grew, uh, yeah, I was, I was thinking about things, you know, in such an early age that I shouldn't be thinking about. But um, yeah, I grew up fast. Yeah, another not on the interview now, but another time I would love to hear a little bit about his story. Yeah, yeah, it's a topic I've been like, I go on YouTube. I, I'm interested in listening to stories of survivors. Yeah. And 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 I feel like that the, we move more and more away from it. You know, like our generation, like what you know, how how connected are, are our kids going to be to this to the Holocaust? You know, it's so far removed and so disconnected. For many kids in you know that I see, high school kids, they it's just as you know it's something in the history books. There is no attachment or feeling towards it. So yeah, we have my on my my father's side, my grandmother. She was born in America, but her mother has family from, she had, her mother happened to have come to America before the Holocaust started, but her parents stayed there. And unfortunately they had a store, they were, they were successful and they didn't want to leave their store in Germany and they passed away. And also she had a few uncles, my grandmother, one of them was killed in front of his store, a Kristallnacht, you know, I thank God my, um, my grandma's, my, 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 actually, my great grandmother, Chaya, who I'm named after, came to America. Yeah and had my grandmother here and then my dad and then me yeah wow, 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 wow. yeah it's a whole different topic yes it is yeah so um so on a lighter note like tell me about table tennis <laughs> yes so you know I used to just love playing I, I played with my father in in the in a park one day and there was a, a person standing on the side watching and I thought he's watching there because he wants a turn um, turns out he came over to me and he said to me, I want you to come play. You have a golden hand. I want to, I want you to come play in my club. So he was actually, he turned out to be a referee. He wasn't like a coach, but he was a referee. So I started, you know, there was his, the club was literally around the corner from my house. I never knew that this was a club. So I started going there and I started playing and he started entering me into, into competitions. And so this is wow. how everything took off. I just started competing um, national wide and then European wide. And I played in the European Maccabi games. I won gold, which was a first for Austria. And, and this just uh, happened because you were at your father literally playing in the park and someone like, scattered you out and said, oh, yes, you have to be at the right place at the right time. Or obviously it, there was a shkaha, but not a shkaha. I mean, like this is, you know, I, I had no intention of, you know, becoming a table tennis professional. So it was it was really hashgacha that somebody just, you know, discovered me, so to say, you know, and this is what became such a big part of my life. I used to train all the time and just go could travel to competitions. And that was a big passion of mine. Oh, you know, when I was in third grade, I, I also have a little bit of a history of being an athlete. 
Yeah. Not to your caliber, but when I was in third grade, I entered a triathlon and I came in third place, third place. Wow. And I got, there's a lot of people there and I got a plaque. They gave me, I was a little disappointed. They gave me a gift certificate to a pizza store, but my parents said it's not kosher. So I wasn't able to, to redeem the, I wasn't able to redeem the gift certificate, but I remember it was very cool. And I remember I was specifically, I had, I was very slow at the swimming, but the bike riding is where I caught up. <laughs> Until this day, I love the bike. I could bike ride for hours. I could do, I bike ride to the Roosevelt, the Roosevelt Field Mall. It's like 12 miles. I could go there, back. I bike ride to Long Beach. Amazing. Amazing. Yeah, you gotta find what what you know what works for you, right? Exactly. Yeah. Okay, so you you were just you competed nationally, you won medals. Yes, yes. I became Vienna champion at the age of at the age of 13 or 14, was it? Yeah, became Vienna champion. And that was that's a whole story in itself, how that happened. (laughs) That's like uh, you know, we need to forbring it. Yeah, no, this is like a different topic. We could go into it after maybe, but something I'm fascinated by always is just like the topic of self-esteem and confidence. And it's something that, because I really believe that, yeah, you can have natural confidence and self-esteem, but I just know with myself, like over time, my confidence and self-esteem has grown. So I'm very interested in that. And I just, I always notice that you're a very confident person. You strike me as someone like that. And I'm hearing you speak that you became this champion at 13. I bet you that that probably has a part of it uh, you probably you know you you experienced such an accomplishment at such a young age that most people don't and that really propelled you and probably is with you in your whole life yes I mean it definitely you know it definitely boosts I mean until I got there also I failed a lot of times you know it's part of the you know it's part of the game you have to fail a lot of times until you win um so it's you kept going it's, it's perseverance, you know, you have a goal, you have to be determined and persevere and, you know, just see it as another stepping stone to getting to where you want to get, you know, not looking at it as failure, but really as moving you closer to where you need to be. So, you know, some people, it's, it's easy to give up, but I was just, you know, I'm just going to get going, you know, I'm going to keep going. And actually, when it came to the Vienna, when it came to the Vienna champion, I, I saw already who was up against me and it was almost impossible. It was one of the best players that was at the first round against me. And, um, and I, I called my mom and I had a test the next day and I was telling her there is no point in actually going to that competition because I'm going to fail immediately, given that this is my opponent. Um, and she said, you know what, just just go and, and look at it as an exercise, you know, just go and try. And then you come home and study for your test. And I said, but I have to study for my test. Just 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 go and look at it as exercise. So I was like, you know what, whatever, <laughs> make my mom happy. So I went and I actually won against her and I kept winning, 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 going up and up and up. And then I went to the final. I ended up in the finals and that was unbelievable. And I just have to say like something, just your mom seems like such a special person. It's such a, because a lot of parents could be pushy and competitive and give you these like high benchmarks that you have to go, you know, you're going to, you have to succeed. And if you don't, maybe they're critical on you. And it sounds like to me, in life, like I've learned that you can't really control things. You know, all we could do is try. It's all in Hashem's hands. So, so for you, how your mom, who wasn't Orthodox, but she was connected, how she said, just try, go, do your best and come home and study after. Yeah. And just like, don't, don't look at it as like, oh, this competition, you have to win, you know, just 
just try and see how it goes. And I was like, what's the point? You know, I knew this girl and I was like, she's amazing. She's been like Vienna champion, like 10,000 times, maybe, you know. <laughs> I love that. It's such a spree. Wow. Yeah, it's a, it, it was a very, it's a very special moment that I often <laughs> think back to because my mom shipped me all my trophies. <laughs> oh, you have them in your house now? Yes. Oh my, okay. I'm going to have to see them one day. So, um, so what age did you stop competing professionally? When I moved to England, really, because that's when I went into, you know, higher education and I had to focus on my studies and I went into law. So it didn't, you know, it wasn't the priority anymore. And that's where at university when, is when I started to grow more in Yiddish guide. And so, you know, most competitions are on Shabbos. Um, right. that, that really wasn't an option anymore. And that's my husband, by the way. He was he wasn't religious when he was in college and he had this career idea of music. But then he realized it's really hard with Shabbos music. Yeah. And yeah. he went to a new path. Absolutely. Absolutely. It's it's mysterious nefesh for many people to, you know, do do that, to keep on doing it. And and a lot of things are like, uh, yeah, all the competitions are usually on Shabbos. It makes sense. Okay, so now you're in London and you're in high school. Then you go, you're after high school, you decide... You want to be a lawyer? Had it was it clear, or did it was it a process? How did you know? So you know, I uh, I always my 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 vision at one stage in my life was to become a human rights lawyer. So that was that was my you know I'm going to change the world, um, and I want to have an impact. I wanna you know and. I want to change something, you know, and I, I had that vision for myself. And so I went into law. Um, little did I know how competitive it was. And, and after well, you were competitive, obviously, I mean, you're able to be an athlete, <laughs> yeah, but you know, you just have to be determined and, you know, keep on going. I wasn't, you know, it wasn't so much competitiveness that was so big for me rather than just having a goal and going for it. Um, but in, uh, in, uh, in law, after I graduated, there was, you know, it was very hard to get a position. So as a um, trainee solicitor, and so I basically, I, whatever I, I got, I was happy with. And so I went into real estate law. Um, and that is, you know, I, I had already after I, let's take a step back after I graduated from law, I decided to actually go to Israel and learn. So, you know, that was a big, big decision in my life because I was expected to go into training, you know, but I decided that I can always do training, but I can't always go to Israel and learn. I knew that this was the time to go because I knew if it's not now, it's never going to happen. So that is what made me decide to go to Israel and I was learning there. Um, and, then, and then I felt guilty, <laughs> very guilty that I'm not pursuing my, my career. Um, so so before, before you went to Israel, you were like in the process of becoming a lawyer, but not quite there yet? No, I was in, I was at university studying law. You were in university, so, okay. Yeah, so I was in university and I started to ask, actually it was, um, you know, a lot of my friends who were not Jewish actually, made me look a little bit further in Yiddishkeit because I was the only Jew at university and I was a very proud Jew. So, you know, <laughs> so I'm Jewish and I'm proud and pro-Israel, you know, the whole thing. <laughs> and uh, people used to ask me a lot of questions about Judaism, right? Like, why do you do this? And why do you do that? And I was like, 
good question. I don't know. <laughs> Why is it? Had you uh, asked yeah, yourself? And then, and then they, they were asking me all these questions and I was like, you know, I'm so proud to be a Jew, but what does that mean? What does it mean to be a Jew? Um, and I saw, so all the questions that they gave me, I went home and I started looking things up and I was like, yeah, it's a really good question. Why do we do this? What does that mean? And so I started to become more interested just because I was representing and I felt like as a Jew, I should be having those answers. Right. So, um, so what am I so proud of, you know? And, and, and that is really when my journey started. And I- Where, where did you go in Israel? Just so I'm curious. Mayanot. Mayanot, okay, I never heard of that. It's, uh, it's Chabad. Chabad. So I, yeah, I became through, from through Chabad. So I've, uh, my whole spiritual journey has been in Chabad. My son is actually in Chabad camp for the summer. We love it. So Great. <laughs> He's only two, they have the activity today. Car wash. That's like perfect for a two-year-old boy, a car wash activity. <laughs> He was like the whole day, car wash, mommy, I want to go to the car wash. <laughs> That's great. That's great. Yeah. Wow. So, yes. Yeah, okay. So, so you went to seminary yet? I went to seminary, then I felt extremely guilty that I'm learning Torah when I should really be pursuing my legal career. And so I left after half a year to go back to England and pursue that. So I went into real estate law and I, that was really in the crossroads. Like I, I started to yearn. I felt like I wasn't finished what I started in Israel. And I was yearning to do more, to learn more. And I, I felt like I only got a little bit and I was thirsty for more. And that is when I said, you know what? I wasn't done. I called my rabbi. He said, you're always, you know, this is your home. You can always come back. And I went back to study for another one and a half years. So tell me technically, so you were, how long were you, you were, you started university, you went to Israel for how many years? No, I went for half a year. Half a year. And then you came back to university for how long? No, I went back to do real estate law. Oh, so I went back to, to, to practice. I was a, a, a as an intern, you know? Okay, so, oh, so you finished university before you went. Yeah, to finished. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, finished. Okay, that's good. Yeah. Okay, and then you went back yeah. to Israel. After. And I went, yeah. So I, then wow. I went back, I was like an intern, a paralegal. And then I went back to Israel completely. <laughs> To finish what I started because um, I really just had to go back to England because I felt guilty and I, I felt like I needed you know I needed to continue that and once I got closure that's not what I needed I went back if that makes sense it does and then yeah. so then after going back to Israel growing finding yourself more you went back to London again right yeah, I went back and uh, I actually then, after Israel, I decided that I want to, because I was growing in my, in my, in, in my spiritual journey, I actually wanted to go to Brooklyn. So I went to Crown Heights, that's the headquarters of Lubavitch. So I lived in Crown Heights for almost a year, spent half of my time probably there at 770. <laughs> and, uh, and that was my, you know, that, that, that was my, my place. I felt like, you know, um, it's like when you're in Israel and you have to go to the Kotel. <laughs> so when you're in Kronite, you have to be in 770. So that's what, so I, I spent, I continued seminary in Crown Heights. And then after that, I went back to London. Ah, okay. And when you were kind of like the seminary, were you practicing law at all or you were just full, like solely on your spiritual journey? No, because I, you know, I wasn't allowed to work here. I was, uh, you oh, know, you yeah, you okay. yeah, I wasn't American. So I'm still not American. <laughs> you know what I mean? You're married to an American, right? 
So you have that. Okay. Yeah, but I, I didn't take on citizenship, so. I hear, I hear. Okay, so then you go to London and you go back to law? Um, when I went, uh, when I went back to London, no, I was actually working in the Lubavitch Senior Girls School. Oh, wow. So you really like went out of law and you were, and now you were like working in. in yeah, I wanted, I wanted to, yeah, I, I was working there. Um, and I, I was happy to be in that environment. It's really what I needed after, after seminary. And, uh, afterwards I, you know, my father was getting more ill and I went back home to Vienna oh. and uh, that's when I decided that uh, you know that I've after that I went to visit Israel and that's when I met my husband so oh you met him in Israel yeah well and then so tell me you guys met in Israel how did you end up in the five towns oh that is a whole different story <laughs> we're gonna need a lot of episodes <laughs> We need like an episode for each each part, but I I mean, do you want to go in? It, just it's, briefly, it's, like just I mean, just yeah. Tell me briefly, like is he from the area? Was his job in the oh, area? No, not really. We he's actually he's from Manhattan, from the Upper West Side. So oh, we okay. live in so New York based. So. Yeah, yeah. We started on the West Side, and then there was an opportunity to go to Woodmere. His friend. Um, told us you know about Woodmere and we ended up there it's a it's a really it's a whole episode you're gonna tell me another time we're gonna have to get yes, together yes. off the zoom and okay. but uh, yeah it's through a friend we ended up there beautiful okay so then now tell me I want to hear about this change from law to career coaching was that in one year that you had this change no so when I when I moved to the when we moved to the states I knew that I would you know I had to decide whether I'm going to continue my legal career my legal path or I'm going to start something different and since I had to reinvent myself and start all over again with new culture new country new friends everything new I thought to myself you know what this is a great opportunity to reinvent myself and start something that I've always had a passion for. Coaching was always something that I've heard of and that I felt very, it really resonated with me, the coaching approach. Um, and uh, I felt like it, it was always something that I had within me. And, uh, and what, and what so about I, it? Was it the connection with people, the, the getting people's heads? People, the connection with people, but also really, really listening and really empathizing and also to kind of looking at them what's right with people versus what's wrong I always felt like you know that nefesh is like that the pureness that every person has and kind of looking at them what's right with them rather than what's wrong with them and that's what also got me so passionate about strengths you know and find helping people find their strengths because it's looking at people as what's right with them rather than what needs to be fixed you know, so that is um, something that really resident, resonated with me. And I always felt like people have tremendous potential, such greatness within them that I, I want to help them bring that out. I want to help that bring into the world and not limit themselves to, you know, the beliefs that they hold on to and limit any sort of limitations, but really step into their greatness. I love that. I love that. And every person has greatness, greatness within them. And there's different types of greatness. You know what I mean? Like each person has different wavelengths and ways of being. I'm, I don't know if you know about the Enneagram. Yes. So I'm into that type that. And I love what I love about it is how there's one through nine, nine different personality types. And every type is different. And there's no type that's better or worse. No. Every, every type, 
you know, you have the healthy and the unhealthy spectrum within the type, but I yeah. really love that, like celebrating and discovering who a person is and, you know, cultivating it and just appreciating them for who they are. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And that's the same goes with strengths. There are not better strengths than other strengths. All strengths are great strengths, right? There is not right. all the better one than this one, right? So, um, so that, and that's what makes a person so unique, you know, that's the uniqueness within a person. It's just like that, their unique strength and who they are, how they naturally think, feel and behave. Um, so that's, that's, um, that's something I was very, very excited about and passionate about. And so when we moved to the States, that's when I started to research and really get into, you know, starting my journey as a coach. Okay. Wow. And when you wanted to become a coach, you took a program, right? Like you went to a, a, a class, a course. It was a very oh, rigorous yeah. course, right? Yeah, intensive training. Yeah, intensive. for a year. For a year. Yeah, yeah absolutely. And I, um, I got certified by the International Coach Federation, which sets the gold standard of coaching. Um, and you're the real I, deal, Tanya. <laughs> you're the real deal. <laughs> I, I was very. Um, I, I really wanted to, you know, enhance my skills, you know, perfect my craft, and, you know, really hold by the ethical guidelines that the, that the ICF sets. Um, and so I, I took that very seriously. Uh, and, and, and that's when my journey started. And at the beginning, I was combining my passion of coaching and, and law. So I was coaching lawyers. <laughs> yeah. I think that's, by the way, that you really bring a unique skill to the table by having that background as a law. Like I know now that, I mean, I'm jumping ahead a little bit, but you're not just a coach to individuals, but you're you're a, co a coach to executives and to businesses. And I think that coming into it with that space of I was a lawyer, really it gives it gives credibility to you, and people I think respect you more. I'm not that they respect you, but they they maybe they're more trusting of you. They think, oh, this person knows what they're talking about. Yeah, yeah. You know, I think having that business background. Yeah, absolutely, like professionalism. Professionalism, right? right that's the word. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, I, I think that it was what got me into, you know, coaching senior level management and executives is that I, it's that high performance. I, I, I love working with high achievers, with high performers, and that is connected all also to my, to, to my athletic background, because, you know, that was all about high performance. And so I, uh, just like you have to work out in the gym i love working on the mental muscles you know mental fitness yes. <laughs> so it's 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 exactly it's what we need and so i really found my passion and purpose in uh, in coaching high performers and and leaders and it didn't start out that way right you started that as a coach just to me like to individual people right and then it kind of led but, but, but what do you mean just you you are an incredible professional person it's not just like i'm not like an i'm not like an executive i know you you coach some big people big companies the federal reserve is on is on your linkedin page i am not the, i'm an accountant i'm not the federal reserve tanya that, that's okay that's okay but this is you know i i wanted to gain a lot of experience and i tried i i worked with a lot of different people I worked with a, you know, an actress and a dancer, and Aww. you know, I had all. I coached a lot, a lot of different people, and it's in order to get to where I wanted to get, I had to go through it. You know, I wanted to try different things that I wanted to, um, you know, really gain that experience and exposure, and and I that is what got me to where I am today. And I had the privilege of working with many, you know, 
Fortune 500 companies. Tell, what are a few of them? Like, if you're allowed to say the name of the companies? Sure. Google, Salesforce, Facebook, Deloitte, Capital One. Yeah. Morgan Stanley. And yeah. you feel you feel like confident, like I'm able to to go and speak with these big people. Absolutely, that people just like you and me, you know. I love and, it. And I and I recently had the the privilege to work with uh, someone someone that's uh, very high up at Neiman Marcus. And Ooh, I, I like that store. They're a little expensive, but I like they have nice things. <laughs> <laughs> and 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 it's really incredible. Just you know, it really, it's like it almost feels like um, you you could think it's very intimidating, but really, when you're one on one with people, they're they're people, you know, with yes. the same emotions, with the same challenges. Um, and I just uh, I, I love taking them from where they are to where they want to be and who they are to who they want to be. Yeah, that's great. You know, I have a friend who also is very confident, and I asked her a little bit about it. Like I, I know she's confident, but I said, "Do you consider yourself to be a confident person?" And she said, "Yeah, you know, I, I talk the way I would talk to you is the same way I would talk to Bill Gates. <laughs> like she's just she is just herself. She doesn't need their approval." Right. Right. Interesting. Right. Right. And also, uh, don't forget, in a, in a session, it's an intimate setting. You let your guards down. You're authentic and open and transparent. In order to have any sort of transformation happen in your life, you have to let your guards down. So people become really vulnerable and open. And that is where the connection happens. That's where the transformation happens, you know? So that is, you, you cannot, you cannot make change happen when you're putting on a show or when you're like oh i'm this i'm that you know like i'm this big shot. so for sure it's like yeah. you know Brene, Brene brown of course so she talks about vulnerability that's like her thing right yeah yeah absolutely wow okay so on this topic of strength i would love to ask you a little bit if it's okay when me and you did a coaching session one time you recommended gallop Yes. Tell Gallup. us a little bit. What's Gallup? Tell us about it. Gallup is an analytics firm that has done um, research on human behavior over more than 80 years now. And they have really found that, you know, the, co the conventional wisdom has always been maintain your strengths, but focus on fix fixing your weaknesses. You know, have you heard of performance improvement and, and you know, like uh, just like uh, those um, the performance meetings, you know, improvement meetings, right? So improvement reviews, all of those. It's really just there to kind of like say, oh, this is what you're not good at, right? What do we need fixing? Um, so Gallup came in and did a lot of uh, research and it's all based on positive psychology um, and which really found that your biggest chance of success, growth and development is in leveraging your strength. So they almost like turned it around, like be aware of your weaknesses, know your weaknesses, but focus on leveraging your strength, focus on really, you know, bringing, taking your talent and making, turning it into a strength, like focus on that. And that is where your greatest, greatest chance of success, development and growth lies. I think there's a lot of truth to that. You know, it's when you're focusing on what you're, do what you're already doing. You know, I have, I have a rabbi, it's coming to me, a rabbi in Israel who one time gave advice. His name is Rabbi Lerner. And he said, you know, when you want to grow in your spirituality, focus on what you're already doing. Say a share at Sarath Morkavana. Things like that. It's not about taking on new things. It's about doing what you're doing, but just mm -hmm. doing them a little better. So it sounds a little bit like that. 
Exactly, exactly. You know, it's a, it's a find something that you're already doing and do it even more better, right? Like do it with more kavana, do it. Yeah, exactly. And, and I think like, yeah, getting so caught up in what your, what your weaknesses are, it's negative. It's, it's negative energy. It's going to bring you down. I mean, yes, you got to be aware of it. It's a blind spot, but it's not worth putting all that energy into the weaknesses. But this is what makes people so frustrated, drained, and exhausted because right. a lot of times that is the emphasis. The emphasis is on just be aware of your strengths, great, but really focus on fixing your weaknesses. And so, you know, it really, like you said, it frustrates people, it brings them down. And also it makes you lose confidence because you're constantly wired to be thinking about the things or focusing on the things that you are not good at that don't come natural to you so if you focus more you know and research has shown when you focus more on leveraging your strengths that's you know you boost your confidence right. that is where people are much more employees are much more engaged in their work you know people are looking forward to going to work so there has been tremendous research there showing how you know you, it really improves your life overall when you focus on your strengths that's great. And I actually, I did hear you in another podcast and you were speaking about the difference between strengths and skills. Yeah. And I thought that was so interesting, like the difference of the two and how you use your strengths to get your skills. Yes, yes, exactly, exactly. It's, and I think a lot of people think of it in that way. So they're like, oh, but I need to, you know, I need to, you know, I have to learn certain skills. Okay, yeah, go learn them, but, you know, use your strengths. <laughs> to perfect your to perfect your skill you know because strengths are, are is who you are it's not something that you learn it's not something technical it's not a skill that you just you know learn but it is who, how you naturally think feel and behave right and it's not it's, scary you're thinking about like your strengths and working on them because you're like it's, it's me it's already who i am you, it's who you are it's so it's a spontaneous behavior things that come so natural to you without even having to think about it right and i know one of your strengths is woo right on the report and woo that was my number my number one that i did i, I, did the one that I got five strengths though the top five i did I, my number one is woo as well really yes i didn't know that yes so wait, tell us what's woo i want i want to hear about it it's me i have to hear who is really, um, you know, being energized by other people, loving being around other people, and also wanting to like win people over. It's an influencing theme. And so it's okay. really, yeah, it's really getting, you know, that connection that you get. And I think that's why you are so passionate and great in what you're doing right now, right? It's I, and I want to tell you something, this podcast, like even before I interviewed you tonight, I felt a little nervous, like, oh, I'm interviewing, I'm going on a podcast. But I said to myself, Danielle, this is you. You love like you love to connect and talk to people. It's it's who you are. It's natural. So like, don't worry. Like, it's a little scary sometimes. Just that initial. I always get a little nervous. Like before I click the you know start the recording. <laughs> but like once it starts going, I realize like, oh, this is me. Like, exactly. I love talking to people. Exactly, and you're in your space. That 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 is who you are. It comes natural to you. You don't have to, you know, force having those conversations. You're excited about this. You you, you love what you're doing, and that is part of your leading with woo. You know, and so finding those opportunities in your life where you can leverage your strengths is a game changer. You know, when people people have come to me actually thinking that they they actually want everything that we discovered about them that the way they thought that their weaknesses 
that they have certain weaknesses, but we discovered through our work together that their weaknesses are actually their strength. They just didn't use them productively. So, so they didn't know that they're actually strength, you know? And so, you know, like somebody uh, that I worked with, she always thought people perceived her as negative, but really she's not negative. She's a problem solver. So she focuses, she sees problems and she loves, loves to fix them. And she's, did you, a, send, she's did you send this as an email, something with an email? Absolutely. I read the email. I know where you're, I read your email, Tanya. I, I know where you're going with it. So I, I, tell, I love this. I heard, I, re I read it and I was like, Ooh, yeah, absolutely. Right. She was in the wrong, she was doing the wrong thing, right? She wasn't using her problem solving skills. And that's what yeah, she's doing. And, and, and she was focusing on little problems, not on big problems. And, and, and like all those things. And some people would perceive her as negative. But really, when you start honing in and looking a little bit further, you start seeing that, you know, those are great, your greatest strengths. It's how we use them. And so they're not apparent to us because, you know, strengths are really neutral. They're not good or bad. It's how productively we apply them that makes it good or bad. So she just didn't apply her strengths productively. So they seemed like weaknesses to her. Mm. And I had many, many stories just like that one. <laughs> and, and, and imagine how empowering that is to feel like, wow, I just have to change or tweak something and I can actually go all in instead of having to like focus on fixing something here. Yeah, it's it's a great way to look at it. You know, I, I listened to in that podcast I told you about and I felt like you were speaking to me. Like one of the things you said was, yeah, you have a person and they're giving a presentation in front of a group of people and they're so nervous. They don't have that skill of presenting. But how are they going to get that skill of presenting? They have a strength. What's their strength? Their strength is they're able to be a conversationalist. I think I think that's what you said. So communication okay communication right so they're going to use their strength of communication and that's going to help them with their skill of presenting yes, am i absolutely. saying it the right way absolutely absolutely and whatever strength you have when you tap into your strength you can make it an amazing presentation if you have if you're a learner then you will hone into learner and present because you want to learn about presenting or about your audience you know, and so whatever you tap into, you can find ways of how to take your strength and connect them to anything, any goals that you want to, that you set for yourself. So, you know, this is, I, I take, I take my clients on the journey of name it, claim it, aim it. Name it, like name what, what you, what you want? Name it, no, name it, identify what your strengths are. A lot of times people don't even know, right? Right, right, right. So name it, claim it. Like make it, make them your own, own them, own right? Them. Like some people are like, is it, is it not? How, make it yours. Okay. Right? And then aim it. What's your goal? What can you do, you know, in order to, what are you shooting at? You know, like, this is what I'm going to work on, you know? I love it. You know, I was, one of the questions I was going to ask you, but I feel like this is the answer. You could tell me, but I was going to say, like, if you have a person that they're, they're struggling in their career, they feel lost. They feel, I don't know if I like this. I don't know if I'm confident at this. What advice would you give them? Would it be something along this, this route of Absolutely, this absolutely. You have probably lost your confidence because you are probably doing something that doesn't come natural to you, that you're constantly having to do and it takes away, it frustrates you, it drains you, and you, you, you don't get the opportunity to do what you do best. And really, you know, where we start really thriving is when we get to do what we do best every day. Right. 
Wow. Okay. Well, Tanya, this was so, thank you for coming on this podcast. I like, I want to talk more to you. There's just so much to say. I don't want to, I don't want it to be too long either. I, I would love to talk about all my other, like the other four strengths that came up and like, but you know, another time there, it's just it's so interesting. I love this idea Absolutely. of strengths and self-awareness. Yes. Yes. And you know, it's really interesting um, how, you know, people are surprised. People are not really aware that this is so, and it's, and it's right. It's, it's so empowering once you tap into your strength, how you can really achieve anything you set your mind to. So it's just takes being intentional, mindful and looking further and making it, you know, your business to, to do that. <laughs> yeah. And like you said before, that perseverance, the persistence, it's a big part of yes. anything, any, anybody that's successful in life, they had to persist. Yes. No one gets it naturally. I, I mean, I don't want to say no one, but like, even for me, I'm an accountant, I'm a CPA. The first two parts came pretty easy to me because I don't want to say because, but I, I wasn't a mother yet. I wasn't working full time yet. I, I actually loved, like, you know, we talk about learning, right? You talk about learning, like that passion for learning. I'm a learner. I love to yes. learn. Yes. So for me, I had a few months between college and my first job in public accounting. And those few months were amazing. And I would just, I would study for the CPA and I would go from coffee shop to coffee shop, restaurant to restaurant. I would go with my grandma to Grand Park to this nice park. And like, I loved the learning because also I was with people. Like I'm, yeah. I didn't even know it at the time, but I would go to Manhasset to meet my friend Ashley. And then I would go to Roslyn to meet this friend. Then I would go to Queens to meet that friend. And I'm thinking about it now. I used my skill of learning and my skill of connecting and strength. my strength, my, yes, thank you, my strength. And that's how I was able to like do the CPA. Exactly, exactly. And even now, as you're speaking, I'm like watching you doing the podcasts. You love learning about people. That's why you have this curiosity and you're using your strengths, woo, learner. And I'm sure all the other strengths that-, that Developer, yeah, that, I don't know what developer is much, but that's one of them too. Yeah, amazing, amazing. It's like, it's that, it's what you're and doing. Communication, that's like, communication is one of them. Yeah. I think it's woo, communication, developer, empathy, and positivity. Yeah, those are my, my five. Do you think that's right? Like knowing me? Absolutely. Spot on. Okay. This ever so anybody interested in this gala training is really insightful. Maybe what, like um we could put it in the show notes what it is if anybody wants to look into it. I, I don't remember how much I paid. It wasn't that expensive. I know Ashley Cohen also did it. And yeah. if anybody wants to learn what their strengths are, it was a test I took. It was like 15 minutes, I think. And apparently it's spot on. And I think it is for me. It is. It very much is. And I can see that as you are, you know, I've been doing it for quite some time. So I can already, as I speak to people, I can already often tell what the strengths are. Yeah. Wow. You're, yeah. I love that. Yeah. Um, but anyways, I was going to say with the CPA, so the first two I was able to pass, I used my, my strength of learning and connecting, communicating. But then the next two, I have to tell you, were very hard for me. I was already working in Eisner Amper, a public accounting firm. I was pregnant. I actually, I took my, my test three weeks after having my baby. Wow. Oh my. And I remember studying a week after having the baby. And I even, can I tell you, I went to the wrong testing center, I think. <laughs> I don't know, maybe I took the wrong, I took the wrong ID. I got to my test center. I give them my ID. They're like, this ID says Zarnas, but your, your notice to schedule says Goldberg. So I had to go home, get my, uh, get my right ID. And by the time I started to take the test, I was so frazzled. And then, you know what I got in the test, Tanya? I got a 74. You need a 75 to pass. I failed by one point, but you know what? I was persistent. I literally, I went home and I said, 
I, I found out my score. I was upset. The second I found out my score, like that day or the next day, whatever, pretty recent, I said, I'm scheduling the next, next exam as soon as possible. And I scheduled it in Connecticut because it was the closest date. They don't want to fly anywhere. And I just like was persist persistent. And I passed, you know, yeah. and like, I'll tell you the fourth test, I took it the first time I got a 68. I'm not embarrassed to say, but you know what? I went home and I said, I'm not giving up. And I took it again and I got an 80 something and I passed. And just like, it's, that's a lot of people. They take the, they, the CPA is very hard for certain people. I'm very grateful that I passed it. But like, it's not easy, but you just have to be persistent. I think that's like a big, I relate to you when you said that's one of your, you know, that's what got you to be the table tennis champion. It's that persistence. Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. 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 Okay. But, well, Tanya, tell the listeners where they can find you. I can also put it in the show notes. So. Sure, sure. So my website is uh, tanyafriedlander.com. I'm uh, on, on LinkedIn. You can find me on LinkedIn, on uh, Instagram, tanya-friedlander. Um, yeah, and connect, connect. I'm happy to connect. <laughs> Beautiful. Well, Tanya, thank you so much for being here and giving us your time today. Absolutely. It was so nice to speak to you. Thank you so much for the opportunity to share. And you're amazing. Continue success with what you do. Amen. <laughs> Thank you all so much for being here on my podcast, Get Into It with Gila. If you'd like to learn more about what I do and what intuitive eating is, please visit my website at www.gilaglassberg.com or follow me on Instagram at Gila Glassberg. Thank you so much. Have a great day.